You're listening to the Above the Mug Show, a podcast that highlights people whose passions drive their life. My name is Lucas Spinoza, and I own a coffee shop. Every day I meet dozens of interesting people, and today I sit down with one of them to inspire you to live your life passion forward. What is going on, everybody? It's your friend Lucas Spinoza coming at you from my office inside of the Black Sheep Lounge right here in Welland, Ontario. Today I'm joined by an incredibly special guest, Tanya Carl. This woman is many things. First off, people probably know her best as the teacher at Welland Centennial High School, also here in Welland. Uh, activist, volunteer, mother of two great children. I don't know if I'm missing a child. Am I? Am no I? child. No, okay. There's, there's, there's only two that we know of at this point. Uh, so anyway, really excited to have you here. Um, we met maybe three or four years ago now. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a really interesting um, relationship I think that the two of us have established over the years because we met through your husband um, who um, was a city councillor also a um, the ED right of, uh, the the Hope Hope, of the Hope Center and now the CEO of Correct. Habitat for Humanity so a lot of hats he gets the spotlight but this is about you because <laughs> I think you got something really special going on uh, everyone I talked to I was I've attended two graduations at Centennial mm-hmm. and Almost every student I've talked to, you're the favorite teacher. And I think that speaks volumes because I have a couple favorite teachers in my life, and I know how much of an impact they had uh, and still do currently in, in shaping who I am as a person. Because t- taking that extra step, going the extra mile, and really making someone feel comfortable, uh, fully develop themselves into an adult, but also uh, realize their full potential is not an easy task. And I know that you do that very well. So everybody, Tanya Carl, welcome to Above the Mug. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I gave you a very long intro, but I think uh, I want to pretty much hand it over to you now because you have a lot, uh, a lot of things I want to know about. So sure. one thing that happened somewhat recently that I'm, I, I really loved was Escape from Syria. Mm. I don't know what exactly what your involvement mm. uh, with it was, but I remember you gave me the invitation, said, mm-hmm. bring Katie, come out to this play. We're having it Centennial. Uh, and I used to do high school plays and they were atrocious awful. Like my dad laughed when I came out in a lion suit. I heard him in the audience. It was a disaster. Um, but the one thing, uh, that I found immediately is how seriously everyone took it. Students, volunteers, teachers, administrators, everything. Um, but also how good it was like the actual, um, story behind it was amazing. Uh, and for people that don't know, there was uh, a Syrian family that obviously came from Syria and ended up in Welland. And so we're not Welland in Niagara, yeah. correct? Or are they, I, I are think they I believe they live in Welland. So they do live in Welland. Mm-hmm. And so obviously it was a, a re, not a reenactment, but a dramatization of their story and kind of what's happening in real life. Very powerful. First time I cried in public in a mm-hmm. very long time. Being 24 and having a bald spot and crying at the same time <laughs> is not a good sight. Um, so why don't you give me a little bit about what that was all about? Yeah, so Max Ingro, who's our drama teacher, is absolutely unbelievable. Every uh, every other year, he takes a, a social issue, and he either has the students write the, the, the play, or he bases it off a graphic novel. So in the case of Escape from Syria, it was based off a graphic novel, and uh, he goes so deep. He wants us to be experiential learning, not only for his kids, his cast, but for the whole school and the whole community. And he's so passionate. He's like you. He's so passionate about tolerance and making a difference and opening people's minds. And in light of this um, culture that we live in, both in Canada, but more predominantly in the States, where 
there is a lot of intolerance. He really believes it's a grassroots movement from um, changing people's minds. And it was absolutely powerful. It was incredible. Um, not only did he uh, solicit the family to tweak things, to share their story, to um, be part of it, to in engage the kids, that he had the kids off researching and learning and meeting with other Syrians in the community. And then when the actual play started, because in addition to teenagers being my passion, immigrants and newcomers are my passion. And I've been doing this for, well, since I was pregnant with my daughter, so about 17, 18 um, years, just helping Crazy. newcomers. But as soon as I knew he was doing Escape from Syria and it had to do with newcomers, I was like in 200%. So I was involved in inviting all newcomers in the community, not just Welland, but in Niagara, uh, doing partnerships with uh, the Multicultural Center, the Heritage Cultural Center. Mm -hmm. uh, there was one in St. Catharines uh, with Niagara College and their international community. So it was such a beautiful, international, multicultural, tolerance accepting vibe. It was just amazing. And actually, I had one man from um, who works at Habitat with, with my husband. Um, he, he does outreach for um, getting houses for families. So he had a display booth because actually uh, a, a huge amount of newcomers actually qualify for uh, Habitat housing um, mm. because they're such good citizens. They keep their debt really low. They're so hardworking. So he was there and he actually connected with Janet, I believe, yeah, from the Heritage yeah. Culture. They were both born in the same um, in the same community in Zimbabwe. So he was Crazy. from Zimbabwe. So it was just it was amazing. So not only did he change lives of our students, our staff, but the community. And it was yeah, it was just beautiful. But That's he's awesome. he's he's a special guy for sure. I think it's great because for someone I didn't know that that you worked with newcomers. So this is mm -hmm. something I'm, I'm oh, learning. Yeah. I love this. Oh yeah, podcast, <laughs> this is my passion. Man. I love it. I get to learn so much about people. Um, but yeah. This is something I've been very passionate about for a long time, um, especially coming from Niagara Falls, moving to Welland. It's a 15-minute drive, a completely different world. Mm -hmm. When I was in elementary school, I had a friend from North Korea, I had a friend from Trinidad and Tobago, I had friends from all over the place, yeah. right? Haiti, everywhere. Um, and in my class, not just in the school, like you can pick the one friend who's not obviously from Welland. It's, I'm talking like half the class mm -hmm. were not white. And so I got to learn so much, exposed to all sorts of different cultures, foods, um, heritage, all these things, mm -hmm. and made friends and had no idea because it was such a young age that there was a difference. They were just people. We look different, but white people look different from other white people, and, and same with other races. So I didn't grow up with that same, I guess, uh, view of culture and identity, race, religion, all mm -hmm. that, that a lot of people, I guess, mm -hmm. in smaller communities mm -hmm. do, like Welland. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I moved here... I was shocked by some of the language people yeah. were using uh, when it comes to race relations, religion, all mm -hmm. things like that. Um, and so that became something very, um, I became very passionate about mm -hmm. when opening the business was creating a place that was inviting to everybody because I didn't feel like, and I still don't feel there aren't many, but there aren't many places that are publicly owned. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, privately owned, mm -hmm. I should say. I'm getting mm -hmm. confused now with... <laughs> <laughs> with the private public sector, but anyway, that are privately owned, that are open to all sorts of people in this community. And I think now um, I've been able to meet all mm. sorts of different people and working together, offering each other different opportunities. It's amazing. I think it's starting to change, but I want to hear, I guess, your opinion. You mm. said about 17 years mm -hmm. now you've been working with newcomers. Mm -hmm. Have you found, has that been in Welland? Mm -hmm. Okay, so in, in Welland. Welland 
has it changed much, mm. the feeling in the community of mm. newcomers? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Probably about 16, 15 years ago, I had a really bad experience with um, a Muslim family that I was very close with. Um, yeah, we were at a local gas station, and the guy was horribly rude and racist to him. And um, yeah, like to, to walk through their shoes and experience that, it was, it was absolutely horrible. That being said, I haven't had an experience like that. I can't say um, if I take a cross-section of the entire community what people are feeling and thinking, mm -hmm. but I do feel overall things are changing. And one of the things I'm super proud of at my high school is we have an English language learners program. And we have students from all over the world, and they're integrating with our students, and it's becoming the norm that you were that you were talking about. One particular student, I just go as soon as newcomers are in the building, mm -hmm. I, I'm like there. Um, one girl who I really connected with was from um, Afghanistan, and um, I ended up getting invited to their house for lunch last um, summer. And her dad works for the Secretary General in Afghanistan, works for the Secretary General in Afghanistan, 300 people working under them. Obviously, they came here for safety reasons, yeah. um, sharing stories of her being at school, the parliament buildings being bombed, them thinking their dad was dead, the same thing um, near the school. So, so he brought his family here. He's incredibly brilliant, um, speaks uh, five languages, super hardworking. And that work ethic of immigrants and the sacrifices are starting to permeate in our school. Mm -hmm. And our kids are noticing, and they're noticing what hard workers are. My student, I'm going to say her name, Zineb, who I just love. I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> um, whenever she got a good mark, she'd start getting like all teary-eyed. And I'm like, Zineb, what's wrong? She's like, my dad's going to be so happy. Mm -hmm. He's sacrificed so much for me. He's going to be so happy. And that... Like I said, it's permeating through the culture of our kids, and it's awesome. And Very so cool. we have this huge multicultural vibe at our school, and it's, and it's beautiful. So have I seen a major change? I haven't seen it, but I haven't seen anything horrible happen. But I think this type of thing is going to change the community. That's perfect. Yeah. So maybe as a segue, because obviously the, the point of the podcast is to try and show people how they can use what they love in order to become mm -hmm. successful. But it's also to focus on positive traits and how they can influence the community mm -hmm. around them. So I know for how, how you do it, I've seen you do it, but I think maybe if you had, this might be a tricky question. <laughs> if you have a couple words or a little mm -hmm. advice on how, if people really want to see more diversity, mm -hmm. more culture, they want their community to be more inviting to different sorts of backgrounds mm -hmm. and ethnicities. What do you think the best plan of action is mm -hmm. in order to get there? Yeah. Is it, community centers? Mm -hmm. Is it parades? What do you think it is that's been the most successful in your life, uh, trying to get people to realize mm -hmm. the benefit of diversity? Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you've asked this question. I don't know if I'm going to articulate this really well, because I always think, how do we deal with extremism? And I think the answer is the same. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we have to formally or formally organizing things is always wonderful. That the play was wonderful. Multicult, yeah. the, the, the multicult, the Heritage Council, what they do here with their their food and their events is, is wonderful. But when I engage with my students and how do we deal with extremism, how do we become a more tolerant society? And when we look at right-wing cultures in Europe and in the United States, how, I always say to them, how does mu tolerant multicultural Canada deal with this? And we talk policies and we can do all this stuff. But I think at the end of the day, I say to them, look around this school. How many of you have talked to somebody who is not white? We have this major population of kids 
And so what I started doing was organizing these multicultural little um, lunches, Mm -hmm. not even at lunch during class time to make sure everybody came (laughs) and where they can sit and they can engage. And what kind of music do you listen to? And what do you like about your country? What don't you like about your country? What do you like about Canada? Um, Are your parents strict? What what, what are the rules at home Mm -hmm. to get to know each other as human beings? So my true belief is when you see people from different cultures to engage with them, like literally right in the hall, right in the street, right in the cafe. Where are you from? Oh, cool. What What are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And everybody has a story. And when you see somebody that's different, and when kids see someone that's different, sometimes it's, um, it's hard for them. But once you find out their story, when Zineb, Zineb sat with her hijab in my class for months and months and months, and nobody knew her story. And then I thought, I'm going to start having her tell the story. Well, once she told the story, you should see how people would engage in her mm-hmm. with her after class and in the halls. And it was just beautiful. I love it. Mm-hmm. So I'm... Mm-hmm. It, we may circle back, but I want to keep moving because I, I love this topic and I think we'll I'll talk too so long. So do I. Um, <laughs> I could talk about it all day. One thing I know you do but don't know much about um, is your involvement with Rose City Kids. Mm-hmm. So I know you volunteer there sure. every Sunday, right? Uh, not every Sunday, but I can explain that. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> but I know it's, it is sure. often, right? It's often, close to yeah. weekly. So what is it exactly okay. that you guys do? Is it youth programs, okay. food banks? Is it building? Yeah. So yeah, so so Rose City Kids is uh, is an organization. It was actually started by a woman who was was dying of cancer, and it was her dream to have an outreach to help the children in the in the community. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole bunch of programs. That the main program I'm not involved in, but I'm involved in two um, amazing programs. But it's not the main original yeah. program. So the main original program was to just really minister um, to kids um, in 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 homes and in in the community where they may not have the best guidance, the best character education, um, they may not get the, the most amount of attention. And so they literally fill up buses of hundreds of kids twice a month on Saturdays. They bring them into the theater um, and it is fun and song and loving on these kids and, and telling them how special they are and really learning and building relationships and finding out what their gifting is and encouraging them and guiding them um, in the gifting. And there's character education program. It's faith. It's faith based. They talk to them about how much God loves them. Um, many of the kids don't have parents in their lives. Um, God's a father to the fatherless, and just how growing in faith can really help you do life and, and do life well. So that's one huge. That's the huge main program. But they also help the families too. Like the executive director of Rose City Kids, Sonia, she's Amazing. been driving a, one of the the aunts of one of these children back and forth for cancer treatment into, into Hamilton. I mean, that's one of the many things she does. They go into the homes. They help clean the homes. There have been cases of hoarders where the kids couldn't even move, and they would go and clean the homes, some of the volunteers, and they would decorate for them. It's just, it's absolutely incredible. We had we had one girl that was being trafficked, and just how we all came together to try to, to deal with, um, with that issue and tap into our community resources. I mean, it's so hands-on, because if you can get the kids making healthy choices and helping them deal with their trauma because people make bad choices because of trauma. We all do. We're all mm-hmm. traumatized to an extent, but <laughs> <Yeah>. these kids are. <laughs> it's true, right? It's I, true. I and the that. older you get, you, re- you realize next, it. Next year's slogan <laughs> yeah. uh, for the Above the Mug podcast, we're all traumatized to a, a certain extent. But these kids are, are, yeah, are severe. Serious. Men, ser- there's a lot of serious, a lot of serious um, um, trauma with, with these kids. But when I see the transformation in these kids' lives, um, it's un- it's miraculous. It is absolutely miraculous. I'm not involved in that program with the younger kids. Mm-hmm. I'm involved with um, 
a program. So the old Hope Center, which was sold to Rose City Kids yeah. on Division Street, has been renovated. Beautiful it's a beautiful space. Yeah, love it. Been made into a, a youth center. And there's two programs that I deal with there. Well, there's two programs that go on there. There is a junior um, uh, program uh, for preteens and teenagers. And then we take a, a select group of kids that, that show interest and they want to be interviewed. And then we take them and we do a junior leadership program of two years. And cool. so I'm involved with that one. And we meet um, every other Saturday. And the youth center is filled with 50, 70 kids just kind of hanging out, hoping to, um, in, in the next year or two, get selected for the junior mm -hmm. leadership program. And we go to a leadership studio, which is on um, Main Street. And again, it's leadership qualities, um, uh, encouraging them in their gifting. It's very, very formalized, too. We go to Muskoka Woods, and there's an amazing leadership program um, there. Um, expose them to so many different opportunities and just help them grow in their gifting and then have them serve and become leaders in the community. And that's really cool. And then on top of that, I noticed some of the kids that were graduating from that leadership program, and now we're teenagers, 15, 16 years old, and they're serving sometimes in the theater with the little kids or serving mm -hmm. in different capacities in the, um, in the program. But I thought these kids aren't being fed. They're not growing. They're just serving because I love teenagers. Especially I have an affinity working with teenage girls. I thought I want to start a girls teen talk group where these girls that have graduated from the program, they serve. What can we do for them? What issues and topics do they want to talk about that we can get together and just totally pamper them? So mm. twice a month on Thursdays, we get together with these teen girls and it's called Girl Talk. And I've asked them, what topics do you want to talk about? Sometimes it's healthy relationships, it's stress, it's uh, career choices, like every topic, growing stronger in my relationship with God. And Sonia, and she's got a team of volunteers, they pamper these girls. They make these fancy, beautiful drinks for them. They cater this beautiful food for them. So we sit around and we talk and we discuss and we get into each other's lives and that's we're cool. vulnerable and help them do life and navigate this I think that's important in group settings. I know um, that's a very vulnerable age for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's very conflicting in your head. Mm -hmm. Puberty is one hell of a ride for a lot of people. Uh, so I think you getting in at that time is, is brilliant mm -hmm. to talk about vulnerability mm -hmm. and growth. Regardless of, of anyone's background, it's a healthy exercise. Absolutely. And obviously you do that in your professional life as well as a teacher. Mm -hmm. How, like, when did you start your career as a teacher? <laughs> You don't no, have to say the no, year. No, that's okay. You can say, I think or I, how did you get your start as a teacher? How did I start or when? Yeah. No, I can say when and how. So I started, I think I'm going on my 26th or 27th year of teaching. Um, how did I start? Well, I went to Crosley and I wanted to be a criminal lawyer uh, because I watched all those crime shows cool. and I always wanted to defend the vulnerable because that's kind of my your thing. thing. Um, but my dad was a teacher at Centennial and he loved his jobs his job. And anytime I was in the community um, and they found out who I was, they would say, oh, he's such a great teacher and he's inspired me, but not just academically, more with life stuff. Mm -hmm. And so my dad loved teaching. And then I just decided that's what I want to do. Very and cool. yeah, I love kids. And yeah. So you teach. So I teach social sciences, social sciences. which is, it lends itself nicely to life. So psych, social, anthro, um, history, but the subject area just relates to life issues and helping kids navigate life. So it's, it's part academic, but it's also part, um, how can we discuss these issues and make healthy choices in our own lives? Too. I think that's probably one of the most important classes in mm -hmm. high school that doesn't get much attention, mm -hmm. not from students necessarily. Mm -hmm. I think more so from an, an administrative mm -hmm. standpoint mm -hmm. or from a board standpoint so you only get one semester per right. term really for mm -hmm. for the entire uh, high school career right and I, and I know that 
for myself anyway, it's, it's been a big player is understanding human nature mm-hmm. and how we interact with other beings in our world is very important. Um, and whether or not you want to use that for good or evil, it's up to you. Absolutely. But I think that having those tools makes life a lot easier yeah. because I think one of the biggest issues young people face, I can say at least um, these days with having all the social media and whatever is life hasn't changed. It's just how we do life has changed. But our values will always be the same because we're a being. It's like a wolf wants meat. Human beings need uh, more social satiation. That was a hard word to say. I don't think I would attempt that. But anyway, uh, so I, I find once you realize that you're not one person, you're a collection of people, you're, a, you're a, a testament of history, then it becomes a lot easier to deal with your day-to-day issues because it's a cycle. It'll, it'll come and go. Passes. I'm so, detecting little Sam Harris. Um, you're de- detecting a lot of Sam Harris. The wisdom of sociology, <laughs> TED Talk. Yeah, I, I love I cr- sociology yeah. because it's the thing we actually have the most control of, of the three. Mm-hmm. Anthropology, we have almost no say in, yeah. right? Psychology, we have a bit. Yes, that's interesting. We have a bit. Mm-hmm. Because with environment and culture and you know, nature versus nurture, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have some influence, mm-hmm. but it's generational, right? It takes mm-hmm. time. Sociology is something you can do right now. Yeah. And yes, it's another thing that changes with time, mm-hmm. but there are immediate changes that you can make mm-hmm. to change the society. Because Absolutely. if you think about your lifetime, even my lifetime, we've had huge changes in how society interacts mm-hmm. with certain things. In my very short 25 years, I've went from not having digital media to having my computer on my wrist. Sorry, Jim Morrison. For anyone who's listening and not watching, I just smoked Jim Morrison's <laughs> bust in the head. So, uh, But anyway, yeah, you, it, that's a huge dichotomy. So you think about grandparents who went, some of them, like my great-grandmother didn't have electricity in her house and then went from that to GameCube (laughs) in one lifetime. That is bizarre. So sociology, I think, is very important. All of them are. I think it's just something, if you're able to, even if you know the basics, the 101, Mm -hmm. then you really have a little more control over life and how you deal with things that come at you. Because you can only control what you have control of, but you also have control of how you feel about things that you don't have control of. So that's, I don't know. Am I commenting on If you that? want yeah. to. It wasn't no, really a question. No, I just it thought is, you had something it's, to say. It, 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 it's, it's interesting that um, it's, it's also more enjoyable, too. So you have more control, but I think it's a more enjoyable life. And, and I'm so, um, I respect um, the sciences, STEM, so, so much. And, mm-hmm. and that brings our societies forward. But I, I'm reminded of, a, of a, a poem written by a Holocaust survivor. And, he's, and he, he quotes how learned engineers built gas chambers and educated um, nurses poisoned infants. And he, he says, education is important, but only if we use it to make a more humane society. And I truly believe that the social sciences help mm-hmm. balance the sciences. So even if you are a science person, having a bit of a social science education um, helps you to, dis- to really think about what are the consequences of my decisions that I'm going to make. But it's also some, it's such an enjoyable life to mm-hmm. be able to 
understand human behavior and connect deeply with human behavior and be vulnerable. That's the big thing right now with yeah. Brene. Have you seen the Brene Brown courage well, vulnerability? Well, I've, I've seen some of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think you're, you're spot on with that. And one thing, it's not related to sociology, but it's re it reminds me of something in English class that I always found funny because you talked about how you can use science for good or evil. Mm -hmm. Same idea with, with English. I remember there was a, it was a guest teacher. It was a substitute teacher. She came in and she said... English is one of the most important things that, uh, one of the most important subjects because it's one letter that changes public from pubic. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So I've always but been it, very it, careful <laughs> of grammar and spelling. I'm not great at it, but I still try. Uh, but anyway, That's to, awesome. to, bring it, to bring it back, um, you're absolutely right. I think um, having that enjoyable life, mm -hmm. as we talked just yeah. before we started recording about, you know, why mm -hmm. I have things on my wall behind me here. And a lot of it is how you deal with your outside yeah. environment. And it just makes life a lot better. You know, like there's, it's always the glass half full kind of thing. But my dad, he always said it. I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast, but I used to complain all the time. My dad owns a bakery for those that don't know. And I used to work in it when I was a little kid, eight, nine, 10 years old and further on. And I used to complain, oh, dad, it's so hot, it's so hot, it's flour over my face, oh, I'm sweating, I'm hungry, I'm, you know, like, this is too heavy, it's too hard. And he used to say to me, Lucas, you're driving me crazy. He's like, this work needs to get done. It's not going to go by any faster if you hate it. Find something you enjoy about it, and it'll go by a lot faster. And I didn't, obviously, especially when I was 13, 14, I resented the hell out of that comment because you don't think you have any control over that. But, you know, as I got a little bit older, mm -hmm. I started applying that without knowing it to everything in my life. And so now I have, I have a hard time dealing with negativity sometimes, especially when it's avoidable, right? Like I have that conversation with everybody in my life. Um, and now I'm able to have so much fun and enjoy every part of my life, even the most menial or tedious okay. tasks, because I realize these are things that need to get done. And they can be fun or they can be awful, right? And, uh, and you can learn from, from bad experiences as well. And I think something you slightly alluded to, uh, but I'll expand on, is talking and having conversations, right? Mm -hmm. You talked about uh, earlier with um, your one student from Afghanistan mm -hmm. and having her tell her stories mm -hmm. about life. Same thing applies to everything. If you are unsure about something, the last thing you want to do is run to Facebook and say how much you hate something. Mm -hmm. Find someone who believes in something that you may not understand or disagree with and have a conversation Absolutely. with that person. I've learned so much more from people I don't agree with uh, than I've ever learned from people I do agree with. And not saying that you're going to flip the script, that you're not, not necessarily going to follow their ideology, but you're, you are going to take something out of that that you're going to apply to make your life more positive in some way. I think that goes back, that circles back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of how do you make this a more open-minded and tolerant community. Mm. There's so many ideas politically, religiously, socially, and people get so stuck in their ideas as being right. We don't often know the truth or what is right. And that's okay. And that's okay. I may ha share a completely different political or, or, or faith-based idea than you, but you might prejudge me for um, a certain idea that you think I hold. Mm -hmm. And when I explain that idea to you, you're like, wow, that actually makes sense. And mm -hmm. you can, may not still not agree with me and vice versa. But appreciate. But appreciate and appreciate each other as, as human beings. But yeah, there's something, and I think social media has done a huge disservice to people digging their heels in an idea or a belief um, that becomes dangerous when they're not open-minded to seeing the other person or how people see and view things. I love it. Mm -hmm. So we're getting very close to wrap up. So crazy how fast that went by. Um, 
Oh, I want this what, to continue on for another half hour. This well, we fun. can do it, uh, <laughs> but just not post it. So, um, the fly from this is the third time <laughs> I told Tanya before we started. I said, I guarantee you, this fly from episode eight and nine is going to show up in ten, and here it is. It didn't land on my head this time, but it's here. Um, anyway, um, no, I very much appreciate you being here. I just one last thing to end on. What do you take away as the most special moment as a teacher? I know um, not this year, but last year's valedictorian, Bonnie, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Amazing girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I, sh- I shouldn't say girl. She's a woman now. Mm-hmm. And going off, and she will be one day a leader somewhere in, mm-hmm. in our world. And we're going to be looking at this like, holy crap, this girl was in Welland at some point. I already know that. And she said that you are her biggest mm-hmm. inspiration mm-hmm. and her favorite teacher. And that obviously is a, yeah. a testament to how much you influence young people, but I think especially young girls. And, yeah. and that is a hard thing to do in that mm-hmm. time period of someone's life. So wh- mm-hmm. what is it about teaching? Like, what do you take from that mm-hmm. that is the most special moment for you? When it finally clicks with kids, especially you mentioned social media and they live in this toxic world that is giving them all these false identities and feeling that they have to measure up here or their identity is rooted in their marks or their identity is rooted in being a basketball player or their identity is rooted in their boyfriend or their girlfriend or how beautiful they are. And I talk to them all the time. That can be taken away in in an instant. Who are you and what's your identity at the core of your being? And I'm always a big believer um, that it's in your plan and the purpose that you have for your life. You were designed with a plan and a purpose, and you have a purpose. And when they when it clicks and they find that purpose, and kids, are, there's so much mental health right now. But when they have hope and a plan and a purpose, their lives change. And it's that's that's a beautiful part. That's my favorite part. Amazing. Thank you very much for listening to Above the Mug. This is episode 10 with Tanya Carl. The camera just <laughs> turned off at the perfect time. I will see you guys on the flip side. Hey friend, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Above the Mug. For more episodes, check us out at AboveTheMug.com. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, review, comment, tag your friends. This way you're not the only person listening to this thing. We come up with a brand new podcast every Sunday at noon, so we'll see you next week on Above the Mug.